Welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast from Chipperish Media. I'm story expert and really more of a book number, Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm film scholar and dancing demon, Noella Croy. And we're here today to talk about Once More with Feeling, the seventh episode of season six. Once More with Feeling aired on November 6, 2001 and was written and directed by Joss Whedon. Still Pretty is a fully spoiled Buffy podcast, which often enables us to tell you more or less precisely where we go from here. That would explain the huge backing orchestra I couldn't see and the synchronized dancing from the room service chaps. All right, let's go on patrol. Come on then. Sing. In Once More with Feeling, everyone breaks into song and shares their deepest secrets, sometimes spontaneously combusting. Giles has a theory that it's a demon. Tara discovers that Willow's been messing with her memory and considers ending the relationship. Giles decides he has to leave Buffy because she's relying on him too much. Dawn wears a necklace that she stole from the magic box and the dancing demon grabs her to take her to hell and be his queen. When Buffy comes to get Dawn, she sings about being pulled out of heaven by her friends. Xander reveals that he's the one who summoned the demon, and the demon decides not to take Xander as his queen. Satisfied with the damage he's done, the demon leaves. As the group does a final song, Spike leaves and Buffy rushes after him. In the alley, they sing and kiss. All right, Noelle. So here we are, right? Possibly, possibly the biggest episode of the entire run of the series. Once more with feeling is the episode that everybody knows. It's one of the first musical episodes that we saw. There was some musical uh, police show and cop rock in the 80s. But this is the episode that really kind of launched the trend of musical episodes in the aughts, you know, with a lot of TV shows doing something of this style. So it's, it's really a big deal, not just for Buffy, not just for season six, but for like television in general. Um, so let's go ahead and get started with, you know, how do you like Once More with Feeling? There's a lot of kind of weight put on this episode. I know, which is why I'm going to try to lean into the things about it that I like. Um, (laughs) Because I know, like, this is an important episode for television. It's also an important episode Mm -hmm. to a lot of people who love Buffy and yes. I do not want to yuck on anyone else's yum with this, which is not to say that there are not things in it that I enjoy. I do enjoy yes. things in mm-hmm. this episode, and I'm kind of going to leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm canceled, well, you know, by the way. Yeah. And I'm just like, uh, no. cancel me right now. <laughs> You know what? Honestly, honestly, I think even people who love this episode are probably happy to hear like a differing opinion for once, because when you talk about once more with feeling pretty much the universal response is, oh, my God, I love that episode. That episode is so great. And there's a lot. I mean, the thing is, one thing that Joss Whedon is really, really good with is like the concept episode, right? We've got the episode with no dialogue and hush. We've got the work that he did bringing mundanity um, and everyday experience 
experience into this, you know, fantastical world with the body. And here we've got a musical episode where everybody bursts into song. And it's not just that we're having a musical episode, but we're actually anchoring that within the text that, it, that everybody is actually singing and dancing. It's not like musicals, because in musicals, like how musicals work is that uh, the music is actually a deep POV experience. In the story, no one acknowledges that they're singing and dancing. And that's weird in everyday life. No one looks directly at the musical numbers. They just are there for expression so that our Disney princess can have an I want song, right? You know, um, so the numbers are a representation of how the characters are feeling. And it's another example in fiction about how we show how things feel rather than they actually literally are necessarily, except for in, you know, cinema verite or something like that. Um, so here we're actually bringing the singing and dancing into the world as a concept. Everyone is aware of it, which makes it really fun. And it builds the sudden appearance of songs and dancing into the established reality of the world, which I actually quite liked. Oh, it's something that I love about this, the way this episode fits into the larger world of the mm-hmm. show, because, I mean, there are there are stunt episodes on many TV shows and something mm-hmm. that is really fun about working in a reasonably self-aware corner of the fantasy genre, the way that Buffy is, is that the, the mm-hmm. show can do a quote unquote stunt episode without it being too stunty. Yeah. Like if you can make yes. the stunt mm-hmm. make sense in the world of the show. So you have a dancing yeah. demon or you have literal fairy tale creatures who steal voices or you have a borked magic spell that makes everyone lose their memories. Like the overall <laughs> effect feels mm-hmm. much more successful to me as opposed to suddenly we're all just saying like, so, like this is the musical exactly. episode of whatever, which was a thing that exactly. did kind of happen or the. I don't even know. There there was a there was a movement in TV for a while where we did stunt episodes and sometimes it was yes. explained and most of the time it was not. Um mm-hmm. but with Buffy because the out of the ordinary style or structure or whatever still fits into the bigger picture of the world. Um yeah. It's just I don't know, it's so much more satisfying I think in that regard. Um Mm-hmm. You know, and in this case, the fact that these are in world musical numbers gives us some of the best comedy moments in the episode, um, by yes. which I mostly mean Anya, you know. Z- <laughs> oh, Anya. Like, I mean, we'll we'll talk more about it in depth, but Xander and Anya's number is the only one that's played almost entirely to the audience, which Anya calls mm-hmm. out in the following scene, which I just adore. Yep. Like there was a wall mm-hmm. missing from our apartment. Like there were only three walls and not a fourth wall. <laughs> and then, you know, clearly yes. our number is a retro pastiche. It's never going to be a breakaway pop hit. She's thinking in business because she's I Anya, know. which is yes. lovely. And then in that same mm-hmm. sequence, we get Giles talking about examining the immolation victims while the police were taking witness mm-hmm. arias. So <laughs> having <laughs> having the music be this mm-hmm. supernatural element of Sunnydale is yeah. a fantastic it, it's a fantastic twist on the we're doing a stunt episode idea. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because like the it, within a fantasy, you know, um, area, like the, the walls of fantasy are so elastic. You can build almost anything into a fantasy story without breaking the world because the world can accommodate so much weirdness so much out it exists outside of reality already so you don't have to live by those rules you know um but it makes it so much fun to bring that in and have it be part of the the story i'm not sure what they did i keep thinking about the musical episode of like scrubs you know which is a comedy and a comedy show you know, will have like, you know, has elastic walls as well, especially something that is somewhat absurd comedy, which is what you get with something like Scrubs. But if you tried to put a musical episode into like House, you know, um, <laughs> that would be kind of a stretch. And it would be really interesting to try to figure out a way to uh, to get us that deep into someone's POV that we are actually hearing a musical, you know, rendition expression of how they're feeling and, and what they're thinking, which I think is is really, really fun. Um, but what's interesting about this episode, too, is that uh, there isn't like a whole lot of story happening here. There are events happening. Mm hmm. But the story itself is not that involved. We have a few things that are moving forward, storylines that exist outside of this, you know, uh, conflict, uh, complication with Sweet, our uh, singing demon, our dancing demon. Um, and uh, and so we've got like, but we're not really doing a whole lot with that. We're really moving the, the big longer stories. We're like carrying them a little bit further here. Um, we've got uh, basically just a couple of things happening. Uh, Tara realizing that Willow's been messing with her mind and she decides to break up with Willow. Um, Giles decides that he's holding Buffy back and has to leave. We will talk about that in detail later. Um, Buffy tells everyone that she was pulled out of heaven by her friends and how terrible that is. Um, and of course, the Buffy and Spike kiss, which moves forward that romance. Um, but the story itself of Once More with Feeling, the narrative of this is... Not that involved. We're spending a lot of time in these numbers that sort of explain how people are feeling. You know, we get we get Buffy's opening number where she's just going through the motions. Uh, we get the uh, the I have a theory, you know, that like where they're trying to figure out what's going on with the uh, with the singing and dancing, the magical singing and dancing. Um, you know, uh, Tara is under Willow's spell. Um, we've got I'll Never Tell with Xander and Anya, which is one of the most adorable. And it's like probably one of my favorite songs on the whole run. We've got Spike singing about how he feels about Buffy coming to visit him. Buffy, you know, I touch the fire and it's freezing me. The only real narrative movement that we have um, in these songs, I think, is where we get Buffy saying that she, you know, because of the song, because people are singing their innermost feelings and they cannot really stop themselves from saying what they're actually thinking. Um, Buffy sings about having been pulled out from heaven. And then everybody hears that and knows what happened, you know. So that's really the only musical number where we're advancing some kind of narrative. Everything else is an expression of where everybody is emotionally, which is interesting, but it's not actually like story moving forward. So, um, so I, you know, I think it's fun. I like it. I don't really have a problem with that. Um, but once more with feeling is very much the spectacle um, and not the story. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the music moving the story mm -hmm. forward, I feel like the most interesting piece of that is Tara, 
Like, this is a yeah. really oh, big yeah. episode for Tara. And I think it's noteworthy that of the music that comes back, right? Because, like, in musicals, we'll get a little reprise mm-hmm. of something from yeah. earlier when there's an emotional shift. And Tara is the first one to give us that with Under Your Spell coming back as she realizes what has happened or what Willow has been doing. Um, and then we get it in the tiniest little way at the very end, right before Spike and Buffy kiss. But in terms of moving the story forward in a way that really changes things, because so Buffy, Buffy reveals this, this piece of information to her friends, but we knew Mm -hmm. the audience knew like there's very little Mm -hmm. that happens. Is there anything that happens in this episode that, the audience did not already know. Um, I think the only thing really is um, Tara deciding to break up with Willow. That moment where she says, you know, I can't put up with this disgust. We're done. Mm-hmm. Right. That is such a forceful thing for Tara. And, and the idea that like, how can you do this knowing what I've been through? You know, how can you mess with my mind? You know, um, that, from Tara, that is a powerful statement of intent from Tara. Learning that Willow has done this to her is, um, you know, is so devastating. And then, of course, here she is after Willow has violated her mind, which is horrible, you know. Um, and then when Willow discovers that she took Buffy out of heaven and she's just crying, you know, everybody else is singing the song at the end and Willow isn't until like right towards the end of that song. Like she's just standing there crying and Tara is comforting her, you know, after what Willow did to her. Um, I think this is actually so much stuff is happening in this episode. We don't notice that Tara's movement in this episode is tremendous. Yeah, Tara really, I mean... It's funny. I was just about to say Tara really steps into the spotlight with this episode, which is is kind of ironic because she literally steps into a spotlight at a couple of yes. points. Um, <laughs> exactly. Which is mm-hmm. which is just fascinating. Do we want to talk about Tara and Willow and yeah. that oh, relationship, yeah. like the what unfolds in that relationship through this episode? Because that. Yeah, well, we start out with this sweetness, right? This sweet number with uh, Tara saying, um, you know, singing, I'm under your spell, which she actually literally is, which we know and they don't. There's so much dramatic irony going on in this episode where we know things that the characters don't know. And so we have to kind of like live through that, right? Um, But one of the things about this that, that really troubles me, like deeply troubles me here is that this is such a tremendous violation, you know? Um, I think sometimes because we're in the middle of this amazing number with Giles and Tara singing, and oh my God, Amber Benson holding her own with Anthony Stewart head. I mean, oh my God, that reprise duet with them, with both of their songs coming together is so unbelievably good. And probably, oh God, I don't even know what my favorite part is. I'll just do it again. Um, <laughs> But we have this deep, deep violation of Tara's mind, you know, with Willow making her forget the fact that she's angry. 
And then we have the implied sex that they have while Tara is under that spell, right? You know, she cuddles up at the end of all, all the way. She cuddles up with Willow and says, you know, every day should end this way. And Willow's like, you're not mad. And she goes, about yeah. what, right? Um, and then presumably they have sex. We definitely have implied sex in the middle of the Under Your Spell song, which for such a sweet song gives it this incredible darkness because that's a violation. If a person has sex with someone who cannot fully consent because of lies or drugs or alcohol, or in the case of what happens in Buffy, some kind of mind bending spell, then that person is on the hook for a sexual violation. And I would say that that includes Willow here. Um, We tend to not hold women accountable for this kind of thing. One of the things uh, I was at the uh, Passion of the Nerd um, Patreon chat uh, like last week, and they were talking about how everybody makes such a big deal out of the age difference between Angel and Buffy, right? But we don't make any, we don't blink about the age difference between Anya and Xander. Mm -hmm. Anya is 1,200 years old. Xander was 18 when they met. Right. We got no problem with that. Right. But Buffy and and Angel being a comparatively, you know, barely made December, you know, 216 or something years, 224 years, I think, between them. Um, that's nothing. Right. You know, but we make such a big deal over that and and no deal over Anya. And I think that, again, like, you know, we've talked about how Jonathan with those Swedish twins and Superstar, like, you know, raped those twins because they could not consent because he had messed with their minds because he had made them love him. Right. That was what the spell did. Right. And here we have Tara and Willow. Tara is angry. Tara is upset because Willow's using too much magic. Willow uses the magic to make her forget. And then we know at least once they have sex while she's under that spell. That is like a really disturbing sexual violation to me. It's funny. The thing that that I find more disturbing about Mm -hmm. that implied sex is just how unsexy it is. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I love it is. Well, I mean, yeah, I love. Mm -hmm. Okay, I love Willow and Tara. We know this, right? Mm -hmm. I love Mm -hmm. I love Willow and Tara. I love the historical significance of Willow and Tara. I mean, we Mm -hmm. really like we were we were so hard up for any sort of like yeah. lesbian representation on television that wasn't mm-hmm. a one-off lesbian kiss episode or coming out right. episode there was no long term mm-hmm. like i just i don't know before <laughs> before i go off on what i'm about to go off on i just want to like <laughs> I do want to acknowledge that, like, this was a huge fucking deal to have a Mm -hmm. same sex relationship depicted as a regular part of a primetime television show in Mm -hmm. the early aughts was like a big fucking deal. Okay, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, I love them. I love Willow and Tara. In this episode, I love the aesthetic of Willow and Tara. Their costumes are extremely yeah. good. Extremely good. Yeah. Oh, they're so oh, nice. Oh, but this, yeah. this whole mm-hmm. thing, this whole thing with them is not good. It's not good. And, mm-hmm. you know, for me, for me, I am fully, yeah. like, fully canceled on this. It's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I mean... You know, going back to what we were saying earlier about like Tara having the most movement through this episode, I think yeah, is probably mm-hmm. like that. That feels really 
relevant and resonant. I mean, the fact that during the overture, she finds that little dried blossom under Willow's, you know, pillow and she's making the bed. And it's just like such a nice touch, especially the way she picks it up and smiles and smells Mm -hmm. it. And I just love I love the idea of these two having little spell remnants just kind of being around their house. And of course, you wouldn't immediately suspect something negative, even if your memory hadn't been messed with. Like if you're just used to, there's just little bits of spells around the house all the time. Like, I don't know. It's so, it's so sweet and sad. And it's that same ironic sweetness that carries into under your spell, even after Willow has called Tara a doofus, which is just not kind and unnecessary. Yeah. And they don't have that whole that whole thing is so bad, though, like that whole interaction. It doesn't feel like the and these are good actors, but the delivery of it, aside from the oh, I'm cured. I want the boys. That was really cute. Um, But like the rest of that whole interaction feels and there's like this this dialogue that like builds up to the music it's almost always like super bad dialogue which is so weird it feels clunky for sure it mm-hmm. feels so clunky yeah um and then oh god and then they <laughs> then they have the least sexy implied sex ever which is <laughs> unforgivable when you consider how erotic they're doing magic and definitely not sex scenes yeah. are yeah 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 like, yeah it is, right it's mm-hmm. offensive like i don't care for mm-hmm. it if you like yeah if you love this like if you love implied magical cunnilingus like more power to you i just i don't like it <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, But, but because I do love to argue with my own arguments, um, I love to, you know, (laughs) if I can just subtweet myself here on the podcast, like (laughs) maybe there's something to be said about Willow being mostly absent from Tara's ecstatic, like her, her ecstatic Mm -hmm. perception of this relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Tara being set free, quote unquote, by the relationship isn't Willow specific, maybe? Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know. I Yeah. Like, I think that there's probably a very interesting path to go down with this idea that go down. Oh, good Lord. Um, with Aww. this idea that like... <laughs> Jesus, I can't, I can't believe I literally just said that. But there you go. That's staying in the edit, isn't it? I think it's wonderful. And I am not going to edit that out. No, it's beautiful. There's, Chef's kiss. Perfect. There, There is something maybe there is something to be said about mm-hmm. Willow kind of disappearing, not just in that moment, mm-hmm. but in in the episode in general, like Willow is the only one who doesn't sing any sort of truth revelation kind of moment. And I know there are behind Mm -hmm. the scenes reasons for that. Um, But isn't it interesting that it's like Willow and Tara, Willow and Tara, Willow and Tara, Willow and Tara. And then you get to Mm -hmm. this like really breakout performance for Amber Mm -hmm. Benson that is ostensibly about the willow tara relationship but it's really about tara Mm -hmm. in the relationship yeah um 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. And, but I do. I love I love that when Dawn mentions Willow and Tara fighting, Tara immediately knows yeah. what's up. Like immediately. Yes. You can just see. You mm-hmm. see all she of the. She looks right down at that little flower. Yep. And then we get under your spell on the clarinet mm-hmm. sounding so lovely and sad. And I don't know enough about individual instruments and their yeah. associations with particular themes or emotions. But I really wish I did because. Oh, like God, those yeah. low woodwinds specifically always have this particular melancholy. Yeah. And I, oh, that is so, it's so heartbreaking. You see the knowledge yeah. just snap into place. She looks down at that little flower that she's mm-hmm. pinned her sweater. Oh, God. It's killer. Oh, it's God, killer. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, mm-hmm. you know, fucking with Tara's mind is really dreadful, not only because of glory, which is something yeah. that. Tara will bring up in Tabula Rasa, but also because of right. Tara's family of origin and the lies they raised her on, it seems yeah. especially cruel. I don't know. It's, there are so many things about this whole thing with Willow that we really need to hold her responsible for. And we don't generally because we love Willow so much and Willow's always so good. And but this what she does to Tara and to Tara, like the betrayal of that, how devastating that must be. And Tara's strength in dealing with it. Um is just incredible. And after after all of that, Tara knowing when Willow finds this out, Tara is at her side. Tara is comforting her. And this is, you know, the woman she loves and trusted who did this to her. Um, it's such a complicated story. And we don't, I think, textually dive that deep into how incredibly complex this is and and the moral we don't really we worry about willow as a you know quote unquote like addict and then we do the whole like drug analogy thing which has never been my favorite use of the magic you know in this season but you know we deal with that but we don't deal with the real moral lines aside from you rank arrogant amateur yeah um, we don't deal with the real moral lines of what um, of what Willow has been doing, you know. Well, and it's so, yeah. it's interesting that we don't like Willow is not held responsible really for mm-hmm. what she does to Tara. I think because we're trying to like seed this, she's struggling with addiction storyline, yeah. but. The thing about that, and, you know, people who are struggling with addiction do shitty things to other people in their relationships. Like, it Mm -hmm. happens. Like, it's a thing that happens. Yeah. But it's not, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, it doesn't seem to be, it it doesn't line up quite well enough for Um. me in that Willow is using magic. You know, maybe she's using too much magic. Maybe she's using it for things that she shouldn't be using it for. Mm -hmm. But she never really seems to be. It doesn't seem to be affecting her as much as it's affecting Mm -hmm. the people around her. And I don't know, maybe that's a, a really clever view of living with someone who is, you know, struggling Mm -hmm. with dependence on you know a behavior or substance i'm not sure but it doesn't it doesn't quite 
it doesn't quite fit for me somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, and yeah. obviously we'll talk about that more as we talk about how Willow's quote unquote addiction is portrayed mm-hmm. and handled. But I'm not sure it's ever acknowledged just how cruel and mean Willow mm-hmm. is to Tara. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really, really terrible. And I don't think that we ever actually do acknowledge that at all. Um, so let's talk a little bit about these performances. I mean, these are not like these actors are not singers and dancers. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, like, except for except for Anthony Stewart Head, who's, you know, got a background singing. Um, I think Amber Benson may have either that or she's just the most naturally fucking talented singer like ever. Um, but it's really like there is so much fun oh and i I think james marsters too that he has like a he has a rock band so he's of course he does oh my god (laughs) but um but emma caulfield i think is kind of the surprise mvp maybe for this episode holy fucking shit like holy shit right okay very rarely Mm -hmm. very rarely do i go digging into someone's non-buffy background as part of prepping for this podcast Mm -hmm. Yeah. But watching Once More with Feeling, I could not take my eyes off Emma Caulfield mm-hmm. anytime she was dancing. Like, she upstages yes. Sarah mm-hmm. Michelle Geller in that last number, and it's clearly not intentional. <laughs> She's not yeah. pulling mm-hmm. focus in any way. She's not trying. Right. She's not mm-hmm. pulling focus in any way. Mm-hmm. But my eye goes right to her. It's ridiculous. She is so damned good. So I put on my mm-hmm. I put on my Google goggles and I went down some internet rabbit holes and I couldn't find anything. I was like, where like show uh-huh. me I want the dance training receipts. I want something. Mm-hmm. And I was furious. <laughs> I had nothing. Mm-hmm. I could find nothing. I mean, I'm hoping that what I'm what I'm identifying is maybe, you know. That your standard like conservatory training where you get a little bit of singing and a little bit of dance and mm-hmm. so, I don't know. Right. But mm-hmm. I I mean, she's ridiculously good. That moment in I'll Never Tell when she sings I Take the mm-hmm. Fifth and then puts her hands behind her back mm-hmm. in this like perfectly choreographed way with impeccable posture and energy coming out of her fingertips. That is a professional dancer, you guys. Like I do not <laughs> Yeah. I, I do not accept mm-hmm. anything else. So if you know anything and specifically if you know of any other film or video evidence of Emma Caulfield being a fucking phenomenal dancer, you can at me on Twitter. <laughs> Um, because I'm on Twitter again, ish, whatever. You're back on Twitter. Yes, we will give you the Twitter. It's at Noel allowed. Oh my God. Yes. But like mm-hmm. her look at me, I'm dancing crazy moment is one of oh, the best yeah. things in the entire episode. Oh my God. God damn. And yeah. that costume as well. I know this isn't what are you yeah. wearing, but I'm doing it now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anya's negligee is perfect. It is perfection. Mm-hmm. It fits her impeccably. And without sounding like too much of a creeper, it does the thing that a good dance costume should do, which is highlight and enhance mm-hmm. the dancer's physique. Like everything mm-hmm. that is beautiful about her that costume just like highlights in the best way it fits her like a glove the color is gorgeous and it's shorts 
It's fucking <laughs> shorts, you guys, with little sheer panels on the side mm-hmm. that match the sheer fabric on the top. And even though I know the bottom half of the garment is shorts, every time we get to that full body mm-hmm. shot and she starts to do her little kicks, I'm delighted all over again. Like, oh my God, it's not a slip, it's shorts. <laughs> and the shoes with the little fucking poops on it. Are you mm-hmm. kidding me? It's so good. So good. Yeah. I would need to sit down, but I'm already sitting. Oh my God. Like, it's. Yeah. So good. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Emma Caulfield is her, uh, like her talent is insane. And also, like, I'm not a singer, so I don't know good from bad singing, but I think she kind of fucking killed I'll Never Tell. Um, She's amazing. And her, and uh, that on top of her comic timing is amazing, on top of once we get outside of this comedy mule thing they do while she and Xander are together, which will be coming up in Hell's Bells, um, everything post Hell's Bells is i mean she has a lot of funny stuff still throughout the rest of the run but she's not only doing that they have her doing these deeply emotional deeply felt things which she also fucking rocks and what i don't understand is why emma caulfield hasn't led like a million series since then i mean maybe she's decided she wanted to take it a little easy and god knows she has earned it but the talent that this woman has is astounding to me what she can do her amazing come i mean you're talking about her like her her impeccable like professional dance right her impeccable comic timing her ability to land a joke the way that she does everything um she's every time i see her challenged like in something like this she just takes us to the next level. I don't know that there's anything like performative that this woman cannot do. She's unbelievable. And why we didn't do more with her. I I don't know. I don't know. I kind of want to write a book about a vengeance demon, file off the serial numbers and just go <laughs> and just have Emma Caulfield be the placeholder in my head, rename the character, but have it be the character and just do something with it because, oh, my God, unbelievable. Um why yeah, this so, woman is uh, not a huge amazing. star, I do not know. Like that's it has to be her I, choice. It has to I be really her choice. Hope it and, is. I, and I don't begrudge her that. I don't begrudge her that at all. But she is one of the most talented actors I have ever seen in my entire life. Um, I think she's unbelievable. Um, I also really, I really enjoyed, you know, I I'm sorry. Uh, I really enjoyed Spike, of course. Well, I love Spike's number. No, no sorry. Rest in peace. Like Yeah. Well, you know me and my Spike stuff. I mean, I just, I love Spike. I can't help it. I love Spike. Well, yeah. And this is like really Mm -hmm. good Spike. Like Mm -hmm. something, (laughs) I don't know. This is not in my notes, but Spike Mm -hmm. fits into this wacky fantasy scenario probably better than anybody else. I know. I love. I love him where he's like, you know, I'm glad to say I'm immune, oh and he's God. trying to get rid of her, and he's like, I died, and it's this whole thing, and like the look on his face as he's singing, and he's like, the face Damn acting, it. you know, it's oh my God, the face oh acting, my is ridiculous, God. yes. But I love so. Good. But what's so good about that? What's so good about the I remain, I remain immune. Happy to say. Is that yes. Spike has it figured out immediately, right? Like Spike knows that in Sunnydale, you don't want to break into song. He knows, like he knows what's up. And then as soon as she said, mm-hmm. what else would I want to pump you for? He 
like, I don't know. He can like feel the emotional shift, not a euphemism. And I'm tempted to say Spike like (laughs) feels the song coming on. And that's why he moves so quickly to get her the hell Mm -hmm. out of his crypt. Yeah, because he is like he's fucking furious, Mm -hmm. low key furious when he starts to sing. And it's so good. It's Mm -hmm. so funny. Um, And I mean, this is so this is a big fucking deal, right? Because Spike and Buffy finally kiss. Yay. But what's Uh, great about the way that comes to to be is the mm-hmm. the transition from Buffy and the group to Spike and Buffy is especially good. Yeah. Like Spike <laughs> Spike realizes that he's doing the group <laughs> choreography and then is like bugger this and just leaves. Oh bugger this. Which is hilarious. <laughs> like I love a yeah. I love a mm-hmm. good choreography joke. I love yeah. I love that the the awareness of the world and what's mm-hmm. happening in the world continues right to the end like yeah, that after sweet is gone mm-hmm. but then yeah. but then the camera follows him and mm-hmm. the denouement isn't what you think it's going to be buffy has revealed mm-hmm. her secret to the group but she's still not ready to like rejoin the group properly so she mm-hmm. ends up outside with spike mm-hmm. and they have their little reprise of um rest in yeah. peace and, oh you know, god i love when they combine those yeah. songs it's just so lovely yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so it's like mm-hmm. it's really it's really well done in that regard um you know the mm-hmm. way this is a kind of natural lead into what is about to be a really interesting and problematic relationship <laughs> i mean Yeah, no, there's a lot of, oh, God, there's a lot of complicated things to talk about with Spike as we move forward through season six. But, um, but yeah, like his, you know, I love this whole thing where he's like, go away, what you're leaving? Like, it's, you know, he's just, we have that a couple of times in his song. Um, And this moment at the end where he's like, go in, sing, do whatever, you know, and he's, you can see how. You know, he's like, when the day you do suss out what what you yep. want, there will be a big parade, 76 bloody trombones, right? You know, and we see how, like, how hurt he is, you know, and like how torn up he is by the way that he loves her, um, which is a real vulnerability, you know, for him to express that with her. And then as soon as she starts singing, you know, um, he hops right in, yep. like, um, it's so and it's interesting, too, that she starts singing her emotion is what's like because emotions, I think, are what launch, you know, these songs and she starts singing to him. Yep. She makes the, you know, the move on him and then the two of them end up kissing. And it's um, it's really just a lovely end. And of course, we have that the curtains close on a kiss. God knows we can tell the end is near. And then we go out, the two of them kiss and the curtain closes yeah. over them, you know. Um, so that's really, really fun. I, I do love the way they're building this relationship, though, as um, there is a danger that they could have tried to make it angel. Yeah. You know, like the the romance and everything that was happening with Angel. Spike is not, you know, a good man 
He's not, he's not trying to be good. He's not working for redemption. He's just a, a you know, a dog with a leash. I will have things and, to say about that um, in Tabula Rasa. Like, very specifically about, we're like, gonna have some, the yeah. nature of Spike. Like, what he is fundamentally. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it, it's even for a spoiled podcast, like, it's too long a discussion to get into. But, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Then it's going to be a really interesting, interesting talk as we walk through because Spike is very uh, an extremely complex character, and this relationship is extremely complex. But what I like is that they're not ignoring everything that he is, everything that he's done, everything that he's, and even what he's become, which is a complicated. You know, I mean, he he's trying to be quote unquote good. But it's complicated. He's also fighting demons because he likes violence and he can't hurt humans. And if he could hurt humans, you know, he would. And he did pick up a gun and try to shoot Buffy in the head last season. Um, You know, there's a lot of things like, you know, he was he's just he's complicated. Um, And they're not playing this off as though it is a big, you know, romantic thing. It is romantic in the sense that it is, you know, sprawling and hyperbolic and, you know, everybody's hearts are pounding out of their chest, but it's not, you know, it's not a, a, a love story the way that we, we tend to like them, you know, um, it's extremely complicated and not necessarily a healthy or good relationship um, at all for Buffy. Um, and I like that they're recognizing that in this pairing. It's part of what I like about the pairing. Yeah. <laughs> that they, they acknowledge everything that this is. Well, and it's and everything that it is. Yeah. It, and it's it's interesting. You brought up that, you know, she's the one who starts to sing to mm-hmm. him like after <laughs> after mm-hmm. he's bailed on the group like he wants to he yeah. he kind of sort of wants to be good and wants to be part of the group but also like fuck y'all mm-hmm. i'm not gonna do your you know serenade-esque right. choreography with you um but she mm-hmm. she is the one not only is she the one who starts to sing to him mm-hmm. but what she sings yeah. is a song that previously she is seen and heard singing Mostly to herself. Mm-hmm. Like it's a private yeah. that that I want the fire back is a yeah. a public declaration in that she is singing out loud, but it's a private moment in that she is walking mm-hmm. toward the bronze on her own. So right. what she mm-hmm. sings to him is a reprise of this private moment. So she is mm-hmm. it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting like opening um in yeah. her in her ability to be vulnerable like it's a great it's a great it's doing that thing that mm-hmm. musicals are great at doing right which is showing you the vulnerability yeah. of this person and where yeah. we put this song and what song it is and who's singing it to whom like it's just a, it's a nice detail that what comes mm-hmm. up that that is what comes up for her to him in this moment when like mm-hmm. yeah it's not that he's like this perfect partner for her but mm-hmm. we have established that she's able to be vulnerable with him in a way yeah. that she is not and they do right there is something in this relationship like it's not healthy and she says this isn't real but i just want to feel yeah 
right? You know, so I mean, she is saying right there, like, you know, I don't have, you know, these feelings. I just want to feel something. Well, and he makes her feel well, something. Well, yeah. And I mean, like, mm-hmm. it's very, it's, it's very sad and relatable mm-hmm. in a way. Like, if you have yeah. trouble feeling anything <laughs> because mm-hmm. you live yeah. with that much despair, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. maybe your friends didn't rip yeah. you out of heaven, but, like, maybe you have, like, <laughs> despair, <laughs> well, right? Yeah. Like, lust. Uh, post-tra- post-trauma is is very much that yeah. experience, you know? Lust yeah. is a mm-hmm. pretty good gateway drug to maybe feeling some other things. Like, if you haven't felt anything, like, if you don't have access to, like, the full Mm -hmm. emotional range, like, getting really, like, horny with someone (laughs) can't be, I mean, safely, kids, safely, you know. Safely. Safely and consensually. But, like, that can be, Mm -hmm. we pathologize, we pathologize sexuality and its relationship to trauma a lot mm-hmm. um you know mm-hmm. and arguably probably more so for people of marginalized genders <laughs> but right mm-hmm. you, like that can be a really valuable practice like having some sort of mm-hmm. somatic healing experience through yeah. engaging with you know lust and passion in that way i mean it's great. Like, is the spike Buffy relationship healthy? Probably not. Like, is sex yeah. as a form of moving through trauma, like, potentially good and wholesome? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. No, absolutely. And the thing with the Spike and Buffy relationship is that there are ways in which it is incredibly strong and incredibly valuable. The fact that they don't lie to each other, I think, is really, really valuable. And I think that's part of what they understand each other in a lot of ways. Um, You know, but Spike and Buffy, as far as in when they are in this relationship, they hurt each other. And that is not good, you know. Um, So it's it's complicated in a lot of ways. It's good in a lot of ways. It's it's troubling in a lot of ways. There's a lot of stuff that we've got to deal with. But overall, you know, um, there is absolutely a value, I think, in turning toward a consensual sex relationship where you know that the other person knows the score. Everybody's up up front on the same page. You know, Um, that can be an incredibly healing, you know, experience to have post-trauma. so, you know, in a lot of ways, I, I I root for this relationship in a lot of ways, you know, and in a lot of ways, I also understand how uh, how much of a problem it is because it it's Buffy is admitting right here she's using him. She knows that he has whatever these feelings are, whether or not they're quote unquote love, I think is is for the, you know. For Spike to decide if that's how he experiences love, then for him, that's what it is, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it's it's not uh, it's not the kind of thing that she would engage with. And knowing that he, you know, loves her for a hidden value. There's this line from a Jennifer Cruzy novel uh, that she wrote, which is um, he loves you all he can, but he cannot love you very mm. well. 
Um, and it's always resonated with me. I love that line. I think it was from Wild Ride, um, which is a great book. You guys should go out and get it. Um, but uh, but I've, I've always loved that line because I think that that kind of expresses what happens with, with people like this. You know, like a Spike, you know, who's got uh, missing a soul or whatever. But, um, <laughs> whatever the criteria that, are. Yeah. For- whatever the criteria are whatever the the actual real world equivalent of a vampire without a soul is those people are out there and um and that that they they love you know we love quite well but not wisely i think is what Drusilla said you know um and i think that there is a love experience that is real for for them, but because of whatever it is within them that may be broken or whatever, you know, soul may be missing or whatever, that there's something that they cannot give. There's something that they cannot do. And that those relationships gotten close enough are almost always going to end up being destructive on some level. Um, but the fact that this creates a situation where Buffy is doing some of the destruction, where she is actively participating in uh, in some of the unhealthiness in this in this relationship, I think, is what makes it really bad for oh, her God. Uh, yeah. until we get to the point later in the season where she breaks down with Tara, which is going to be a very interesting Ooh, conversation. Oh, yeah. That's going to be a fun um, one. <laughs> yeah. But there's there's a lot of fun stuff to, to a lot of fun discussion to be had regarding Spike and Buffy and how incredibly complex it is. And I love it. Um, one of the things in uh, Once More with Feeling, I feel like there is a um, a post the gift Giles, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, that I tend to find trouble with uh this is one of the things here he's come back buffy is okay uh, we've we've talked a lot about buffy's age buffy being you know she was 15 when she was called she was 16 and she's a slayer Uh, she's coded as an adult she's coded much older as far as the story goes Uh, textually she is a kid but also she's not um, because when you look at Buffy, like I have a 21 year old kid in my house right now and I look at Buffy who's 21 or maybe not even, she might even I be 20 she's at this point, right? I think 21 at this point. I did, or did she, well. And maybe 21. I can't remember, but in yeah. that, in that arena, right. You know, um, and, and that's a kid, like it's technically an adult, but it's a kid, you know? And so here is Giles, uh, Buffy's mother has died. There is a teenage girl that needs to be raised. He's there helping her and she leans on him. This is what I hate. I hate everything about the way that Buffy is treated. Uh, She comes back from the dead unwillingly ripped from heaven granted they didn't know it at the time but still um uh, here are all your bills that have run up in the time that you were gone please fix this um then what are you going to do with your life then like all of this all of this stuff that just lands on her and then she she leans on giles a little bit and he's like, I'm standing in your way. You can't grow if I'm here. I have to leave. And I mean, granted, I love the song Stay. You know, I love that like reprise yeah. where he's just, you know, where he's singing with Tara and there's that kind of, you know. Um, I, but none of this makes any sense to me. Giles leaving her now makes no sense to me. And I just kind of wish that they had you know, had had some kind of other option for Giles leaving. 
Um, you know, and he, he does this. Like, we've seen this in him before. In The Freshman, which is the first episode of season four, mm-hmm. he leaves Buffy to her own devices, deciding she needs to learn how to do things on her own. And then, of course, the end of the episode rushes to her side, deciding that he was right. wrong. Which, by the way, he was, yes. you know? <laughs> um, so here we are again with this same shtick, except that Buffy just came back from the dead. We have all these things. Telling her that she must go alone to save Dawn also is such unbelievable bullshit because him saying you need to be able to handle these things is one thing but dawn is has been abducted is a 15 year old girl abducted by demons yeah we don't just say hey buffy you handle it on your own that is crazy he's not empowering buffy he's abandoning her and you know we're going to see a little bit more of this kind of shit from giles through to the end of the series so you know buckle up kids yeah but yeah i just Uh, i don't I don't know what to do with Giles in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah. other than like appreciate Anthony Stewart Head's lovely singing voice. Like, I just don't. Because he's like, amazing. And Anthony Stewart Head is nailing oh my God. this. And like, like, he sells this as much as he can. And yeah. like, they're, like, he's always, I mean, he's always good for those little acting moments that I so love to zero mm-hmm. in on. Like, when when Buffy yeah. asks, you know, last night, did anybody just burst into song? The way he stops chewing yeah. and just stares <laughs> at her. It's so good. And then he says, well, of course he's I sang, so but I had good. my guitar. And he's like justifying mm-hmm. it to himself but then the giles that we get who's all like i'm not i'm i'm not empowering her mm-hmm. by being here like uh, what what no it's such as it's such crazy nonsense as he's literally throwing knives at her which i really enjoy but right. whatever exactly. um, but but so giles okay so giles has this this big like emotional mm-hmm. moment where mm-hmm. He comes to the realization within himself that he is standing in Buffy's way. And right. he sings this apparently mm-hmm. to Buffy, but she doesn't register any of it. Yeah. Which I understand. Like, I understand that that's a thing that happens in musicals, but I'm not. Right. I don't know. It doesn't feel. But the whole point of this, Sweet says, right? You know, in his song, which, by the yeah. way, is also fucking fantastic. And let's give it up for Hit and Battle, who is oh my amazing God. in that role. Um, yeah. But he says that, like, part of what he's doing is people are singing and dancing and they get overwhelmed with the emotion and they're telling everybody things that they um, that they wouldn't ordinarily tell. Like, he's essentially a chaos demon. You know, yeah. so um, so we have him here, you know, sowing chaos. That's the whole point. Why does Giles, why does his song get to be a secret? Right. You know, because he's um, telling himself. I don't, I don't know. know. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm OK. Like I'm running with it. But at the same time, I'm like, it, it seems to work counter to the the stated mission, you know, for sweet. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, know. and also, I mean, I want to I want to dive into sweet in just a minute. Mm-hmm. But. Giles's theory yeah. is that it's a dancing demon. No, something isn't right there. <laughs> Lonnie, what isn't right there? That's literally right. That's exactly it. Is exactly it. right. I, well, you know, but I think that like he has never encountered a dancing demon before. So, okay. you know, is, I guess all right. he, he wasn't in Pylea. Sure. He didn't see Numfar do the dance of joy. He doesn't know <gasps> that these things happen. Right. That's an angel reference. Angel. Go listen it. to Still Dead and watch Angel and have fun with that. Um, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what to do with Giles. I don't know. It's no, it's <laughs> kind of it's kind of weird. Um, also, 
Like, let's... Uh, what? I don't... I don't even... With the whole Xander the, thing, right? Okay. The I don't even section the of the podcast? Don't, the I don't even. This has always been okay. my least favorite part of the episode. Um, because okay, we, have, we have this whole thing, right? The whole time we're like, we don't know what's happening. Oh my God, all these people, they're singing, they're dancing. Xander is complaining with Anya to Giles earlier in the episode. Um, we find out that people are dying. Giles says they were taking witness arias for people who we see the guy smoking up and burning to death like we know these things are happening xander knows these things are happening says nothing so Mm -hmm. xander is complicit in the deaths of like a lot of people you know um and the thing that makes me crazy about this is that i think this is a choice that was made Instead of it being about Dawn who swiped a talisman and who like, you know, Dawn should have been the one who had like legitimately brought because they keep protecting her. Right. They're protecting her. The whole thing about, you know, what are you going to do? Get a pack of cigarettes and a cappuccino. Now you're doing research. Right. Um, We're trying. They're trying to protect Dawn from the details. So Dawn not knowing that people were dying, Dawn thinking that it would be fun and whatever is completely understandable. Xander after everything that he's experienced doing that is just completely stupid. And this is what happens when a writer becomes so enamored with a cute twist or a joke that they break their characters and have to do it. Um, you know, it would have made sense that Dawn would have, you know, brought this thing in, would have not realized the extent of the severity of the damage. Um, you know, all of this, it would have been a great note about Dawn growing up. And instead we have this preposterous bullshit. And I don't even blame Xander. My head canon is that Xander did not call down that demon. Dawn did it and Xander is covering for her because otherwise Xander is directly and morally responsible for people dying when he does not confess and tell everybody exactly what is happening the moment that he understands that this is hurting people. And we also have like no guilt over it. I mean, are you kidding? Like, this doesn't back up on Xander ever. He never mentions again that he had a hand in the deaths of a number of people ever. If you made a choice that accidentally killed a bunch of people, you know, even if it wasn't your intent and you had no idea it would end up that way, which, by the way, when you're summoning a demon, I think you have some idea that there's a risk factor involved, right? Um, You know, would you ever get over that? Would that ever leave you? I mean, we never hear about this again from Xander. No one holds him responsible for this. Um, And we completely assassinate Xander's character. I think the reason why we do this is so we can have a homophobic joke, right? When Sweet says, no, that's all right. I don't want you to be my queen because you're a man. We'll just let it slide this once. Um, I find that (laughs) so hair on fire infuriating just infuriating um and honestly that moment almost ruins this episode for me every single time which one the moment where sweet is like yeah we'll wave that clause this time yeah the The moment the fact that that we're willing to assassinate xander's character entirely so we can have a mediocre and actually really super homophobic joke it's a weird i mean I have some ideas about about that and mm-hmm. sweet, but but with regard to Xander, I don't know. I I don't know. I have really, I I feel really weird mm-hmm. about anyone in this core group summoning this demon, right? 
but Xander makes the most sense to me. Although I love your headcan. I love the idea that maybe Dawn summoned the demon. Well, Dawn has the talisman. I uh, my headcanon is Xander covers for her because otherwise yeah. he's I mean, gotten people killed and he has no problem with it. I like I like that headcanon. Mm-hmm. I still think I still for me like I still believe Xander when mm-hmm. he says that he summoned the demon. Um Yeah. Because Xander is really going through it with his relationship yeah. fears. And mm-hmm. wanting some sort of confirmation of a happy ending for himself and Anya makes a lot of sense to me. And we know that Xander is not beyond fooling around with magic to mm-hmm. change the world to have some fun, right? When he's yeah. done it in the past or when he's suggested doing it, it's always been in the spirit of, like, let's do something that's going to be fun. Um, and then, But has know, he since... since- Bewitched, bothered, and bewildered. I mean, didn't he learn his lesson about magic in that one? I don't remember him. You know, you would really think that he would have. Like, you really think he would have. So either Xander is just He references it once or twice, like with Willow, when Willow starts, you know, messing with magic. Yeah. I mean, it's... It is interesting. Like, I love... I guess I like the conceit of Uh Xander summoning a musical demon for this like relationship enhancing purpose because yeah. singing and dancing together actually is good for our relationships like there's a yep. lot of you know there's mm-hmm. a lot of research about you know boosting oxytocin in the brain by sure. singing and dancing and then if you sing and dance with other people mm-hmm. like you get a bigger mm-hmm. boost um which is why I kind of enjoy Xander being surly about yeah. Willow and Tara's get a roominess mm-hmm. because Anya mentioned a fight the night before turning into singing. Uh-huh. And he's the one, if he's the one who cast this spell to ensure that he and Anya were okay, but then it's Willow and Tara who seem to be benefiting from the romantic element of singing together. Like that just really mm-hmm. tracks for me in terms yeah. of Xander's character. Um, you know, like, so I understand. I don't, it's just, it's such a, it's such a thinly veiled story excuse mm-hmm. to do this episode, like to do this thing that yeah. you clearly wanted to do, Joss mm-hmm. Whedon, like you are on record as saying you wanted to do and then mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, shoehorn it in. Um, I don't know. Like, I like I like the idea of Xander trying to use magic to add some levity to Mm -hmm. what he's going through and then having that backfire because suddenly you're mystically revealing secrets you had no intention of revealing anytime soon (laughs) but it is fucking weird that like there's actual fiery death that happens and it never comes up again like that is very weird well yeah Um, and here's the thing like i am with you on all of your points and i think that had this been executed with that in mind where we're actually dealing with xander but we're not like the way that they execute i think that i'm with you on it's it's not a bad idea you know but you have to have the consequence follow through and we don't which makes me think that we just they just decided to do that because they thought it was funny you know yeah um, oh god yeah. and like speaking of funny mm-hmm. 
This is only tangentially related because we're talking about Xander, but the whole respect the crawler and teen the donut <laughs> is exactly the Magnolia reference that Xander and I'm guessing Joss Whedon mm-hmm. would make and yes. find hilarious. Mm-hmm. And then Anya's <laughs> Anya's reply, that's still funny, sweetie. <laughs> Like, I mean, it's probably the only reply there mm-hmm. is for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that exchange feels directly plucked from life in a way that makes me both appreciate it and not like it at all, oh, okay. if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> yeah. But of course, you know, Magnolia, perhaps notably, is a film where all the characters sing mm-hmm. at one point. Though it's not a musical. Yeah. Um. Oh, God. But just like, it's those... It's those Xandery moments where Xander is so Xander that yes. I just, you know, I just like Xander is very to... is Xandering very hard. Yes, he's Xandering very hard, yeah. and I just want to like tongue scrape my whole body mm-hmm. afterwards. Um, yeah, it's yeah. T- uh, Xander's Xander's complicated. Xander's definitely really complicated. Um, but one of the biggest and moments, and yet I still have sympathy for him. What is wrong with me it's, anyway? Moving it's on. What no? It's. It's what they do to us with Xander. They make you love him anyway, even when he's kind of being terrible. And it's just, it's part of the complication. You know, I like that complexity in Buffy. It's very, very fun. But we have like a really, really big moment, you know, in this episode, which is Buffy's revelation that she was pulled out of heaven. Um, And Willow's response in the background is really lovely. You can kind of see the what have I done on her face and that she's feeling what she's done. And I I actually appreciate that because she's done a lot of really terrible things at this point none very few of which we're actually going to hold her responsible for um and uh, and having some realization of that i think is actually very important um and then we have of course that lovely line from sweet where he says and there's not a one who can say this ended well what I love about that um, is that there are lots of ways to do, if you're interested in doing damage, there are lots of ways to do damage that do not involve blood and guts and murder and attack and physical, you know, trauma. Um, and he has uh, basically brought in a whole wealth of trauma, having these people kind of do it to themselves by singing about the things that they have been keeping secret and private. Um, and so I think that that's a really kind of a nice term on a demon that we don't see a lot in Buffy. It's usually physical assault and, and that kind of thing that we get from our demons. But this is uh, this is kind of fun. Um, I also love that Spike saves her in the middle of her spontaneous combustion dance, you know, mm-hmm. with this life's not a song. Life isn't bliss. Life is just this. It's living. And the pain that you feel you only can heal by living, you know. Yeah. Um, and he... There's something in that he understands her in a way that nobody understands her. And I think this is really where that starts. I think she he's always understood her in a certain way. They've always worked really well together way back in, you know, becoming, you know, when he decides to to join forces with her. Um, they've always worked really well together and they've always had that connection. But I like the fact that it's Spike that steps in and that he's the one who saves her from burning up. I think that's nice. Yeah, especially especially after his lovely little back and forth about mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm free if that bitch dies I better, I better help her, help out. her it's, out yeah it's wonderful mm-hmm. it's wonderful um I think it's interesting to note that with Buffy's reveal we get reaction shots from Giles Willow Xander and Anya mm-hmm. 
and Dawn reacts to her dancing afterwards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we only ever see Tara reacting to Willow yeah. in this scene and not to Buffy's revelation, which I find fascinating. Yeah, I think Tara's, you know, doing the ring, right? The ring theory of trauma support, which is like Willow's yeah. going to be about Buffy. And so Tara's going to be about Willow, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, and of anyone, like I know we talked about, we talked about Tara going along with Willow Mm -hmm. in the Buffy resurrection effort as a supportive witch girlfriend who was Mm -hmm. maybe also being a little bit emotionally manipulated at Uh, the time. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, Maybe, maybe probably almost Mm -hmm. certainly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But of everyone, I like my headcanon is that Tara is not shocked by this revelation. Like of all of the group, Tara Tara may have already one. known to a certain Tara degree. may have suspected. Yeah. yeah. Tara mm-hmm. may have suspected. Mm-hmm. Um I also love with Buffy with <laughs> Buffy's right. I also yeah. love with Buffy's revelation that Sweet pulls it out of her. Yeah. In this really interesting way. Mm-hmm. Like he's sort of you know, she's come to confront him mm-hmm. and he is just not impressed. Like she's yeah. singing and she's telling the truth. But he like you can see him seeing that there's more there. And mm-hmm. he just sort of like he does this beautiful little, you know, Broadway performer hand motion where he like pulls her to him. <gasps> oh, yeah. And then, you know, and she's singing and you can kind of see Mm-hmm. You you see the emotional shift for her, and then he sort of like looks at her significantly, mm-hmm. and that's when it comes out. That's when she does that. You know, mm-hmm. she she shifts um, yeah. he and tempo again, and then she reveals what what her experience was. I love watching him just conduct this revelation. Oh my god, no, it's beautiful. I mean, sweet is amazing in this again as we said played by Hinton Battle who's a Broadway star um his his song I love his song it's one of my favorite songs on the whole album um I think it's it's so I great I think it's the best one I, I think it might I know be. that's really hard to say like it is not hard. an objective reality but yeah he's yeah, it's kind of incredible. I mean, it's and his performance is incredible. I love the color changing suits. The only thing I didn't care <laughs> for was when he pulled his mouth off and held it out like that was a, a, mostly because the effect was really bad. Like, you know, um, that feels like a reference to the mask. Uh, yeah, yeah. Quite a bit. Quite a bit. Um, like, especially with the zoot suit. Yeah. Like, he yeah. really I we had a moment of the mask and I believe. Mm-hmm. Either the choreographer or the assistant choreographer, or possibly both of them, worked on that movie. Oh, yeah. You know. Uh, Yeah. There you go. Oh, the choreographer and the assistant choreographer. Hang on. I have their names in my notes. Um, Adam Shankman was the choreographer, Mm -hmm. and Anne Fletcher was the assistant Mm -hmm. choreographer, and... I mean, yeah. they have done everything like <laughs> together <laughs> yeah. or separately, like anything mm-hmm. that has ever had a dance sequence in it that you have probably seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they're everywhere. And I also just love the little bit of background information that I learned that they met at the 1990 Academy Awards when they were both dancing for the Under the Sea number. Oh, so, goodness. How lovely is that? Isn't that, that delightful? That like, is isn't that nice. so charming? Yeah. 
love anyway. that. I love that. Um, anyway. Yeah. So yeah, this demon is like, like the best demon, right? I mean, he's oh God, pretty he's great. He's so good. It's pretty great. He's so good. He feels like one of the most devilly looking demons we've seen yeah. so far, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His look is really something. And I mean, yeah. like, not just the zoot suit, but the whole... Oh, yeah. His his whole appearance. He's very, um, very classic but, Satan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. But like groovy Satan. Yeah, groovy. <laughs> like, yeah. like cool Satan. <laughs> That's the thing. You know, he's, he's the yeah. guy that has a, he has a good time, you know? Yeah. He does. But why? Why is he not called the boogeyman? <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know. But you're very, I'm very really right about asking. that. Like, yeah. I really you're want very, to know right because mm-hmm. come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come on. But he's yeah. delightful. I mean, I love him being happy just to have created some discord among the group. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. it's an, I mean, you said it. You said it already. Like, it's a nice twist for a demon. Like, he's not, you know, Mm -hmm. the fact that people burn up, he's like, yeah, that's great and entertaining and like a really show-stopping number. But he's also just happy to create some chaos. Yeah. I mean, he's a a little bit Spike-like in that way, right? Like, he He likes to party and he likes Mm -hmm. to cause trouble. Mm -hmm. But mostly he's just happy to be here. Mostly he's just having it's like happy meals with legs. He's having a good time. Yeah. yeah. Well, which so is why that, yeah. his whole like not wanting Xander to be his queen thing mm-hmm. feels less like a homophobic joke to me and more like the like the the underworld child bride thing was just kind of a bonus for him. Uh-huh. That it's not it like, wasn't what like he came he there for. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't mm-hmm. feel super invested in taking somebody to the underworld with him Mm -hmm. to marry Mm -hmm. him he's more like cool how much you know how Mm -hmm. much discontent can i cause while i'm here Um, well yeah i mean he is like this is like a chaos demon you know as far as a classification of demon he is here to sow chaos he's done what he came to do you know um getting a child bride would have been great Uh, but yeah, but now he's, but he's, he's already gotten out of it, everything that he wanted to get out of the experience. So I think that, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess like for me, it is, um, my familiarity with Joss Whedon that, that gives me that kind of like, ah, for fuck's sake, man, for a homophobic, if it was a good joke that he was sacrificing Xander's character for, I'd still be pissed, but it was a bad one. You know, and yeah. I'm like, for fuck's sake, you know, at least make it a good joke. But anyway, it's a ri- yeah. yeah, it's mm-hmm. a ridiculous way to let Xander off the hook. And it's just not it's it's all, just not very good. And it's a character break for just that purpose. And the reason I know that is because there is no consequence for Xander. And if you watch through the whole thing, knowing that Xander was the one who summoned the demon, then none of it makes any sense. None of his responses it make any sense. It is super weird. Yeah, it's yeah. all it's just it's it's bad form um and i am deeply deeply disappointed in joss whedon for that but anyway noelle (laughs) what is your favorite part oh my god i mean i think it has to be a tie between sweet and everything emma fucking caulfield does dance wise Uh um i mean 
And also, this is not a part exactly, but I love that the vamps in the graveyard, the street sweepers who are absolutely killing their dance number in the background Mm -hmm. as Anya, Mm -hmm. Giles, and Xander walk by, and Sweet's henchmen are all played by the same guys. Like, mm-hmm. I genuinely just love that. And I hope it was a yeah. fun job for them because what a cool so assortment too. of things to do. <laughs> I don't know. That's a, that's a fun job to have, I think. Definitely. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. What, what yeah. is your favorite part? Ah, uh, God. You know, I have such a hard time with this. I, I love <laughs> Xander Nanya's. I love I'll Never Tell. I love that whole thing. I love the way that it speaks to this. Uh, you know, you get into a relationship and it's so important to be honest. But then like once you're in a relationship and you're invested, um, the stakes get a lot higher. There's a lot more to lose if your honesty happens to go south. And so people tend to like, you know, sometimes keep things from each other and not have these discussions. Um, and the the cuteness of it, the fun, the look at me i'm dancing crazy and you know his his eyes are beady interrupting on his line i love so much of that and i think it's really really fun um i also love spike's song um i think like just as a song i really um like it i like the way that it's performed i love his whole thing of you know i'll be free if that bitch dies i better help her out are you are you leaving you know um i I know i should go but i follow you like this whole thing where he's always he's saying something and he does the opposite you know um because he's always in the middle of intense internal conflict uh so i kind of i love that and then there's like sweet song which is amazing and so good so there's so much in it i really i think my my favorite part is almost all of it kind of (laughs) (laughs) you're allowed like your favorite part can just be the whole thing like that's okay too (laughs) except the bullshit ending If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to join in, connect with the show on Twitter, follow at Chipperish, and use the hashtag StillPretty. This episode of Still Pretty was brought to you by the Chipperish Media producers who support us on Patreon at the power producer level. These people are the reason why Still Pretty is coming to you free and ad-free right now. So thank you to our October producers. Shelly, Kristen, Jonathan, Jonathan, Rose, Erica, Alice, Abigail, and Sarah. And this week's special message for our power producers... Bunnies. Bunnies. Must be bunnies. I was trying to do it dramatically and it didn't really work. I'm not a dramatic A dramatic person. reading of bunnies. <laughs> to find out how you too can support Chipperish Media, visit patreon.com slash chipperish. Other ways to show your support. Write a great review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about the show. Or finish the group sing and get your kumbayayas out. We will be back next time with Tabula Rasa, the eighth episode of season six. Until then. See you home.
Oh, not with a girl pal, babe.